Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to our show number 935. Just about 50 feet from our Talking Birds studio here is the Talking Birds Garden and uh, we don't have bluebirds nesting, at least not yet, but we do have house wrens back nesting again. Maybe that's why we don't have bluebirds nesting. Uh, although the house wrens did coexist with some tree swallows nesting last year. Meanwhile, guess who else is back? No, not your Uncle Frank inviting yourself or himself to your Memorial Day cookout. It's this. The ivory-billed woodpecker. Maybe the grail bird, the good lord bird, the feathered Elvis, the ivory-billed woodpecker. A peer-reviewed study published this week offers sighting reports, audio recordings, trail camera images, and drone video, leading its authors to describe the, quote, intermittent but repeated presence, end quote, of birds that look and behave like ivory-billed woodpeckers. One of the study's authors, Dr. Stephen Latta, says cumulative evidence from their multi-year search in Louisiana leaves his team confident that the bird continues to exist in that state and probably other places as well. Skeptics abound, of course, some pointing out that since the videos taken are of poor quality, they don't really prove anything. But Dr. Latta who's Director of Conservation and Field Research at the National Aviary in Pittsburgh, says that in 2019 he saw an ivory bill clearly with his own eyes. We, we await the next chapter in the saga. Meanwhile, rest in peace, pale male. The red-tailed hawk who called Manhattan home for three decades and inspired many news articles, at least three books, a documentary film, and a PBS television special died on Tuesday, May 16th, after being found ill in Central Park. Pale Male was believed to be 33 years old. That's not Pale Male, that's our mystery bird. Preview of our mystery bird contest coming up. It's a pretty distinctive-sounding call there from our mystery bird. These are... Some of the clues, we'll be following up on these a little bit later. Our mystery bird is a shore bird you can see without going to the shore, maybe. It's brownish tan on top and white below. The white chest is barred with two black bands, or dark bands, and the brown face is marked with black and white patches. It has a large, round head, large eyes, and a short bill. Our bird, which breeds all over the U.S. and just about all of Canada, and is seen year-round in the southern states and along both coasts, forages on the ground for earthworms and snails, grasshoppers and beetles and crayfish and aquatic insect larvae. 
That's our bird. What do you think that is? Beautiful prizes await, including a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books. It's a family-owned business that offers one of the biggest selections of birding books in the world. And we have something delicious as well. A month's supply of crunchy and delicious super seed crackers from the folks at Mary's Gone Crackers, makers of amazingly good snacks using only whole plant-based ingredients. So that's our Mystery Bird Contest preview, the actual thing, a little bit later. Conservation Salute of the Week. Sometimes we salute an individual, sometimes an organization, or even a private company or corporation. Today we salute a magazine, Time Magazine to be specific, for creating their new Time CO2 Climate Action Platform, CO2.com, designed to help accelerate climate action and elevate climate leaders. The platform includes their Earth Awards program, the first edition of which honors climate activists, including actor Mark Ruffalo, Clean Energy Group Director Gloria Walton, Apple's Environment Chief Lisa Jackson, and Time's own climate activism advice columnist Vanessa Nakate, and U.N. Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez. So congratulations, honorees, and we salute you, Time Magazine. And now... A salute to a couple more Talking Birds ambassadors, listeners who step up and help us do what we're trying to do, just spread the word about the wonder of birds and the importance of conservation. So thank you so much to Jeff from... Houston, Texas. Thank you so much, Jeff. And thank you to Carl Brack from Omaha, Nebraska. So our Talking Birds ambassadors are, are really kind of a, I don't know, we kind of kind of a lifeline for us to reach out and spread the word about our show and birds and conservation. It's really easy to become a Talking Birds ambassador. Here's what to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com. There's no G in talking. No G in there. And uh, click on the Get Involved tab at the top of the page and see how to do it. And being an ambassador is uh, also very easy. We'll send you a bunch of cards and uh, at your convenience, hand them out to friends, neighbors, fellow birders, and maybe most importantly, would-be birders that you might encounter. So the Get Involved tab at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks to Jay Messenger, by the way, who's a volunteer down at the Bombay Hook Sanctuary. He says, thank you for another supply of cards. We're enjoying the arrival of the Hummers, rose-breasted grosbeaks, and Baltimore Orioles for the season. Thank you so much, Jay. Still to come on our show today, our own Debbie Bleacher will join us from the Talking Birds Science Corner to tell us how bird reproduction is being affected by climate change. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for live Let's Ask Mike segment about dealing with nuthatches that think they're woodpeckers. Meanwhile, a few days ago, we did a little birding at an urban oasis called McLaughlin Woods in the city of Boston. We got some great sightings of today's featured feathered friend. It's presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. The scientific name of today's featured feathered friend translates roughly to small red moth eater. 
Its common name is derived from its New World habitat, one of its colors, sort of, and an old word for part of its anatomy. It all adds up to Cetophaga ruticilla, the American redstart. We're used to birds with less than accurate common names, and this redstart is one of them. Sources say that the name redstart is a corruption of the old German rotstert, meaning red tail, a name that was applied by the British to the European redstart, which has a rusty red tail. The redstart name was later attached to this American bird because it resembles the European one in kind of the same process that led a certain black-headed thrush to become known as the American robin. The bright colors on the mostly black American redstart are actually a stunning orange seen in patches on the sides, wings, and tail. The black color is replaced mostly by gray on the female, which sports yellow patches instead of orange. The bird flashes its colorful tail as it hops along, flushing insects out of hiding places in the leaves, and then chasing and catching them in midair, the way flycatchers do. And it's a pretty effective technique. The red start is said to catch more flying insects than any other warbler. And unlike other warblers, it eats a wide variety of them, along with several kinds of berries. By the way, our bird shares its name with another North American red start, although the two are not closely related. The painted red start is a summer resident of the mountains in the U.S. Southwest. It really is a red start with a crimson breast and belly. American red starts are threatened by the usual suspects, including collisions with windows, towers, and antennas, and they're one of the most parasitized species by brown-headed cowbirds. Fortunately, though, their numbers have not declined dramatically, and the land bird conservation group Partners in Flight rates the American red start as a species of least conservation concern. It's the brightly colored, if not really red, warbler, sometimes called the butterfly of the bird world, Cetophica ruticilla, the American red start. Welcome again to our show number 935. Well, we've heard so many effects that climate change is having on birds, virtually all of them of the negative sort. And another one has to do with bird reproduction, as we're about to find out as we visit our own Debbie Bleacher in the Talking Birds Science Corner. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. Uh, good morning, Debbie. I'm not going to really ask you what's on the slab. Just saying uh, good morning. Let <laughs> you take it from there. Good morning, Ray. Hi. I hear you have something to tell us specifically about climate change and bird reproduction. Yeah, I do. Researchers with the Illinois Natural History Survey have made have made kind of a complicated discovery. Rising temperatures seem to affect the reproduction rate of migratory birds more than non-migratory ones, hmm. and large birds more than small ones. Wow. So what sort of methods did they employ in uh, making this discovery? Oh, good question. They recorded the number of offspring for several generations. This was a 50-year study, so I guess they handed it down to each other. Hmm. The team of researchers looked at data from 100 species from more than 200 bird populations across all continents. Hmm. They looked specifically at how local temperatures and precipitation 
influence the num uh, influence the average number of offspring that female birds produced each year. Hmm. So specifically, what uh, what did they find? The results are pretty complex, but I'll do my best to unpack them. Um, it, it looks like high temperatures during the chick rearing part of the breeding season decreased offspring production hmm. in most migratory birds, but increased it in non-migratory birds. Hmm. One simple reason for this difference might be that non-migratory birds can adapt to changes in their local food sources, while migratory birds might arrive at the wrong time to find food when their chicks hatch. Right. Well, that's certainly a, a big, big factor, you know, when it comes to climate change, that timing of, of birds. So it mm-hmm. seems to make sense. Oh, good. Okay. So that's the migratory part. And now here's the bird size part. Um, the study found that warming temperatures were associated with fewer offspring, fewer offspring among large birds, but more offspring among small birds. So one reason for this might just be that large birds tend to take longer to hatch and rear their chicks than small birds. So they have fewer generations in which to adapt to changes in their environment. Okay, that seems to make sense, too. Which which birds are we talking about, by the way? Can you give some uh, examples? Sure. Um, two species with large decreases in offspring production were Montague's Harriers and White Storks. Both of them are large and migratory. Mm-hmm. Two species with increased offspring production were the Eurasian Sparrowhawk and Prothonotary Warbler, which are small and migratory. Mm-hmm. But some species, like the barn swallow, had increasing numbers in one location, but decreasing numbers in another. And those seem to be related to differences in temperature. Remember, the study looked at data from 100 species all over the world, so there was a lot of variation. Okay, what about some of these species? Do some of them seem to be adapting to climate change? (laughs) The answer is maybe. Maybe. So one example is the prothonotary warbler. In southern Illinois, they produced more offspring when local temperatures were warmer because the females started laying eggs earlier in the season, so they got in two clutches instead of just one. Mm -hmm. So all this research is important. How would you describe why this particular research is important? (laughs) Well, that is the only simple answer I can give you about this whole study. Being able to predict how a species will respond to climate change allows us to give the right kind of help at the right time. Um, Large studies like this one always give complicated results, but we've got to start somewhere. So is there some speculation, you know, beyond these effects that are demonstrated about why why it is happening? Um, Just some. I've I've given you the basics about food supply and timing of egg laying, but really Mm -hmm. this study was a first pass, so there's a lot more to be learned. They got clear data about correlation, but it's going to take a lot more work to really nail down causation. That's all I got. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Oh, always a pleasure, Ray. Debbie Blacher there in the Talking Birds Science Corner. And now comes my typical question. Where are we? Let's see. We have uh, done the science corner, and our, uh, we are about to uh, uh, <laughs> move along to our mystery bird contest, the first part of it at least. Uh, yes, that would be coming along in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. 
Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Pretty distinctive sound of our mystery bird. And here's something else I often forget, and that is just to offer a reminder that if you're not hearing our show live and would like to listen live and do our mystery bird contest, for example... It's very easy to do listen live. Just go to our website. That's that TalkingBirds.com place without the G in talking, TalkingBirds.com, and click on the Listen tab there, and you can see how to listen live with an Internet-connected device any place on the planet. So you heard the sound of the mystery bird. It's a shore bird you can see, maybe without going to the shore. Brownish tan on top and white below. The white chest is barred with two black bands, and the brown face is marked with black and white patches. It has a large round head, large eyes, and a short bill. Our bird, which breeds all over the U.S., often in very dangerous territory near people, in just about all of Canada, and is seen year-round in the southern states and along both coasts, forages on the ground for earthworms and snails and crayfish and grasshoppers and beetles and aquatic insect larvae. Clues there on our mystery bird is always the other reminder is that even if you're not certain of the answer, give it a try because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. In this case of a $15 certificate for Beautio Books, a family-owned business that offers one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. And a month's supply of crunchy and delicious super seed crackers from the folks at Mary's Gone Crackers, makers of amazingly good snacks using only whole plant-based ingredients. We have a bonus question prize, too, if we get to our bonus question from our friends at Feather Friendly. It's their bird window collision kit. And by the way, we have some news about our friends at Feather Friendly. We'll talk about uh, next week in a little more detail, but something uh, by which we're going to congratulate them for some good things that they are doing. So that's the thing on our mystery bird contest Please give us a call at your earliest opportunity. That will be at 781-837-4900. It wouldn't be a Talking Bird show if we didn't have folks calling after the show ends. So we like to change that uh, concept. So call us as soon as you can, 781-837-4900. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil or on our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. 
Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more. Guaranteed. Mike O'Connor is awash in warblers as, what, a million-plus birds fly over Cape Cod, according to BirdCast. Let's see if this is all true. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> you never know with me, but, yeah, it seems to be. <laughs> yeah, gonna... I, don't, I don't know if I'm uh, – uh, right away interrupted you. But, That's um, all right. The, I don't know if any of your listeners uh, click on BirdCast, but Cornell puts it out, and it's really, really, really – interesting it's just a website it costs you nothing and just uh you can click on your county and it'll tell you especially during migration season how many birds flew over on this particular night it's really interesting and it doesn't tell you what birds landed in your county but there's a good chance that the, so the night before last sunday um last saturday five uh twelve thousand birds had flown over uh Barnstable county which is small and this is where i live and um, there weren't that many birds the next morning. But the next night, the wind shifted from the south, and there was 1.2 million flew over Little Barnstable County. And I went out the next morning, and, boy, I was checking off birds left and right. A lot of warblers, a lot of tanagers, a lot of grosbeaks. It was pretty, a pretty exciting day. Wow, I guess. So well, click on that. Track that down, listeners. Put yeah. that on there, and then, uh, you know, then you can get up early like I did. Yeah. Well, you get up early anyway. You're up by 10 every morning anyway, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Crack of ten. Well, the other part of our program, or our, our get-together here, Mike, this morning has to do with a, a question from a listener, and I, we really intended to uh, to play his audio postcard this morning from Los Alamos, New Mexico, and uh, something happened, and we didn't get to that. I'd rather not say what happened, but, you know... <laughs> Typically, what happens around here, but uh, but we'll do uh, we'll do that next week. Along with uh, we'll have uh, we'll have him from New Mexico, and we'll hear from Paul Gardner from Utah uh, next week. Oh, you know, I'm looking forward to it already. I know you are. Here's what Siva says: Siva Golpanarayanan. He's a great talking birds friend and ambassador. He says, "Love them nuthatches, but what do I do if they want to share a wall with me?" Would Mike have any suggestions on how to keep them from moving into my siding? Someone suggested sticking streamers in the wall, which flutter and discourage the birds. I'll have to leave them be this season. Mike, you like those uh, fluttering things for woodpeckers, so how does it go to them? Yeah, it's pretty much yes. the same thing. I saw yeah. the pictures, you know, white breast and nuthatch, and maybe the other one was a brown-headed or a pygmy, which would be kind of cool. I'd let yeah. them live in my house if they started. Yeah, he's got those pygmy nuthatches there. Yeah, 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 cool. Really, really cool. Um, and so when I tell people, and I, the same thing applies if you've got woodpecker damage. Woodpeckers typically do more damage. Yeah. Number one, um, Patch the holes right away because holes attract more woodpeckers, or in this case, nuthatches. It looks like like a rotting tree would. Patch them up right away, even if it's temporary. And then the fluttering uh, streamers are good. It's, uh, I get I use holographic scare tape. It's what gardeners mm. use, and it's not sticky tape. It's more like a f- streamer or a ribbon, but it's very bright and shiny. And, and gardeners put it over their strawberry or blueberry bushes, and it's very highly effective. Hmm. Of all the things that we use uh, to keep the woodpeckers, in this case, nuthatches away, that seems to work the best. And what I did in my yard, because I had a downy just <laughs> whacked on the side of my house, hmm. uh, after I patched the holes, I put a birdhouse up in that spot, and that seemed to work. Uh-huh. You know, they, they sometimes go in there to roost mm-hmm. or to, to 
sometimes breed, but mostly to roost. And uh, I haven't had any trouble since then. So fix the holes. Uh, get some of that scare tape, holographic scare tape is called. Maybe put a birdhouse in that spot. And if none of those things work, then you can still, you know, go back to, you know, try aluminum siding. I think they still make that, don't they? <laughs> well, I think it was, uh, was it Bob Dylan who said the man who invented the aluminum siding would be going away south uh, at the end of his uh, lifetime. But that's a whole. We don't really. A, yeah, right. We don't right. need to get really into that. By the way, Debbie is still with us. She wants to give you give you a hey here. Hey, Deb. Hey, Mike. Yeah, you know, climate change seems to not bothering you. You're still you're still doing it, kid. <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey, by the, way, before, d- by the way, I just yeah. wanted to ask you about all those warblers. I mentioned about you being a wash in warblers. You had quite a sighting there, did you not? I know. You know what? I went to this neighborhood right around the corner from me. Is a neighborhood where. Fortunately, they haven't had the purge of environment by the landscapers like I, my snotty neighbors have. The lawns are mostly natural. The trees are left alone. They're not sprayed, trimmed, and fertilized. And far more birds were there. And I, I spent like an hour, as soon as I stepped out of the car, there, you know, there was chestnut cider warblers and, and K-May warblers. And, and Red Start, your bird of the week there. Yeah. Um, it, it, 20 species plus uh, two species of uh, tanagers, rose-breasted grosbeaks, indigo buntings, wood thrushes, a couple of species of varies. So, so there you go. Watch broadcast and don't, you know, put pesticides on your lawn, and you too will have that. Experience. Yeah, we're getting a little too envious here, so we have to wrap this up here. I don't know if you can. Your music <laughs> is playing there. It's way off. Yeah, that's the music the way is it goes. way off in the distance here, but it's it's there. So, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, talk to you next week. Oh boy. Okay, so we're back to the mystery bird uh, contest, and uh, we're trying to plug in the right things here and failing pretty much, but we're working at it, and we are moving on to a call from our friend Caroline. Uh, Not Caroline. No, we're going to Donna. Uh, No, that's not right either. We're going to. uh, We're going. Let's see. Jesse's going to tell us where where we're going. (laughs) I hope it's polite. Caroline, it is. Caroline in Hummer Rock, Massachusetts. Good morning, Caroline. Oh, good morning. Good morning. What's a mystery bird, Caroline? Spotted sandpipers. Spotted sandpipers. That's not what it says here, so I guess that is not right. Oh. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you. All right. All right. So again, and we go to Donna, I think, in Michigan. Is that where? No. We go to Donna, who's in Michigan, the state of Michigan. Good morning. Hey, Donna. Good morning. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Uh, you heard that it wasn't a spotted sandpiper, but you have a different yeah. idea. What is? Uh, what do you? What do you think? Oh, there? I believe it's a killdeer. A killdeer. It says its name there, so that it's a uh, name. it it says I it's. I call it a sayer. I'm say that again. I call it a namesayer. I teach birding by ear, and I call it a namesayer. Oh, okay, yes. Well, it's an apt uh, description, certainly. A namesayer is right. The killdeer, it's kind of famous. It's not the only bird that does this, but it's kind of famous for that broken wing display that it does. So it uh, lures predators <laughs> yeah. away from its nest, uh, but you know all about that, I'm sure. Um, yes, sir. Okay, let's see. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out where we are now, Caroline, but I've been doing that. I mean, uh, excuse me, Donna. That proves I don't huh? know what I'm saying. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if we have time for a bonus question, if you'd be interested in trying it for that matter. Oh, yes, I would. Yeah. Okay, let's see. I know I have it here somewhere. Things are moving slowly, but uh, and not necessarily surely, but definitely slowly. Here we go. I'm going to find it here in just a couple of seconds. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty confident about that. 
Our bonus question. Here it is, Mr. Bird. Bonus question. Okay. We heard recently about a zoo in Blackpool, Lancashire, England, that's hiring folks to dress up in birds of prey costumes. They say they're looking for people who are visitor-focused, friendly, energetic, flexible, and outgoing. But why are they having people dressed up like eagles and such? Here are the choices. A, because they want to educate visitors on what birds of prey look like up close. B, they want to show children that birds are friendly. C, because they want to scare gulls away from visitor dining areas. Or D, because it's cheaper than having real birds at the zoo. Uh, choices there. What do you say, Donna? Oh, can I say all of the above? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I'm going to say B. B. Showing children, no, it's actually because they want to scare gulls away from the visitors' dining areas. Oh, well, that mm-hmm. helps the children. That, that helps the children as well. That's a very practical solution there. Anyway, nice work, uh, Donna. Stay on the line. Jess, you'll get your info. Thank you. Okay, thank you to Donna there in Michigan, and thanks to Allison in North Carolina. We didn't get a chance to get to Allison maybe next week, and we are out of time for this morning's show. Thanks for being with us, and see you next week. The bird show, I like that. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.